0: This week in Arsenal, the Gunners make their move for Declan Rice, Kai Havertz surfaces as a shocking link, dreams of Moises Caicedo fade away, and Arsenal fans respond calmly and sensibly. Just kidding. Let's get into it. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Welcome in to This Week in Arsenal, episode 19. I'm your host, Sham, a.k.a. Killian Shambape. Uh, That's nice and topical for you. Um, So we're back with another episode. Sash is not here this week. Uh, He has um, some uh, more pressing matters to attend to. Uh, He'll be back over the weekend. But I'm here with, you know, Sash and I... Several years ago we found we 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 ran into a burning building and we you know, we saved this old man, but it was it was too late. Um, his 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 wounds had proved, you know, um, quite fatal. And his his final words to us were, You need to bring on the most illustrious guests to a podcast that you have. We thought those pretty weird at the time, that those would be his last words. But we've abided by them and here with us is a really illustrious guest, Brighton reporter Charlie Halfenden, um, who you can find on Twitter at Jerno Half. Uh, Charlie, thanks so much for taking the time to to speak with me today. How are you doing?
1: I'm good, no worries. And uh, I'll take that description, illustrious guest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I really should have written out a uh, a a better you know um, joke intro for that, but um, yeah, hopefully hopefully that suffices. No, 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 I think that...
1: The burning building works. <laughs> <I don't
0: remember. laughs> so, um, you know, Charlie, before we, you know, talk about kind of the the less enjoyable um, uh, topic of you know your know better like Brighton's best players taking off and and going elsewhere, I do want to take a second and talk about you know Brighton's season because I think it has been quite remarkable, and you know, obviously, a lot of people referring to it as perhaps one of Brighton's best-ever seasons, if not its best-ever season. Um, you know, they made the Europa League. They finished, um, I believe they finished in seventh. Am I correct in saying that? It was sixth place in the end. Sixth place. And, um, yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts really on, you know, Brighton's season and kind of where you see them heading for, you know, at least the next few years, if not on a more long-term basis.
1: Okay, well, you say it was potentially the best ever, it was undoubtedly the best ever season for Brightman hove Albion Football Club. Myself as a fan, as a reporter, uh, I used to be a blogger as well in the earlier days. It was in the Championship, the thought of being in the Premier League was incredibly exciting. When it happened, we were just taking everything as it came and we thought, well, a season in the Premier League, that'll do. If we can stay any longer, we'll absolutely take that. To now be going into a, what, a seventh consecutive season in the Premier League next year? and to be in the top six, to have established European football for the first time in our history. We reached a semi-final at Wembley against Manchester United in the FA Cup, very nearly got to the latter stage of the Carabao Cup, got one of the best, most exciting managers in the world and some of the biggest talents in world football as well. It's very surreal, uh, I can't lie, it's just a bit sad, as you kind of alluded to, that we will be losing. We already lost Alexis McAllister to Liverpool. And now Moises Caicedo, as we'll get on to uh, later on, is very likely to leave as well. So uh, it's sad in that sense. But the great thing about Brighton is they've always seemed to have got someone else lined up. So not too worried in that sense.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, like you said, Alexis has taken off. Um, but, you know, in CISO already, you know, kind of in the back end of the season, kind of showed himself to be an immense talent. Uh, I think you guys also got um, uh, from from Dortmund. If I'm not mistaken,
1: yeah, he's, he's not been announced yet, but he will do. João Pedro's just coming from Watford as well. Club
0: Pedro, yeah, also really excellent signing by you guys. Um, yeah, I mean, Brighton, Brighton always seemed to be one of those teams who can just kind of recycle through players, and if you know they, if they have to sell one, they'll get a pretty good profit for them, and then turn back around and you know sign a a player who's just as good, if not better. Um, in the market, so it's it's really amazing how, how Brighton seems to continuously do that
1: Yeah, it's um, it's impressive how we seem to get rid of the best players for huge fees <laughs> <And> they, <laughs> apart from maybe Trossard and Ben White to Arsenal actually, they're the two success stories if you look at uh, Mark Kukadea to Chelsea, 62 or 63 million pounds, Yves Pesuma to Tottenham about 30 million after add-ons they didn't work out, and we've got Replacements in very quickly, or already had them in the ranks. So, Pervez Estupinian, for example, came in for Marco Correa Has been brilliant. I think he yep. was already known as a talent. At Villarreal, did quite well. Did do so well at Watford. So it was quite a risk, but we got the best out of him, and obviously saw those attributes. And he is now one of probably the most talented left backs in, in a division very quickly. Uh, and then, of course, in midfield, Caicedo was the man who ultimately took the spot from Basuma and has made it his own. It's a shame that Enoch Mwepu, things didn't work out for him, unfortunately, with his health issues. I think yeah. he would have been very exciting in midfield and would have helped us out with us losing our key players now. Um, but away from that, we, we just seem to always have those next names. And Suso, as you mentioned, Facundo Buonanate from Argentina came in as well. Mm-hmm. He's looking quite exciting. Jeremy Sarmiento, he's had his injuries. Hopefully next year he can push on. Stephen Alzate coming back from low Standard Liège. You've got Jakub Moda, who was out all season with an injury. There are so many players that aren't even in the limelight because they've not had the chance yet but they will and uh it's very exciting
0: yeah and then on top of that i think you guys have um you know potentially an elite striker on your hands and evan ferguson as well of course um he's fantastic yeah yeah just just the amount of talent bubbling through brighton is um you know just absolutely incredible and on top of that you have roberto de zerbi who you know has taken over the side from graham potter at uh at a time when maybe people would have started to to write off Brighton after Potter's departure, and, um, I mean, they look even better with De Zerbi in there, too.
1: Yeah, I think when Potter went, it was a case of being a bit panicked, because this was, at <laughs> that point, the best place we've ever been. We've been in the top half of the Premier League, finished last the season before the one we just had. That was our best-ever points total. For them, Chelsea to come and swoop him and take him away, it was a bit terrifying. But the fact that Zerbi's come in and improved things is amazing in itself we didn't think we could get any better (laughs) now we're looking at maybe ambitions of champions league football etc so um no very much loving it as a brighton fan at the moment it is just a shame that we are losing the players that become the most lights become the most well known and thankfully hopefully anyway we'll be able to continue our good run with the final replacements
0: yeah and um in you know on that topic you you reported a few days ago that um you know, Arsenal, who I, I think it's safe to say at this point, um, as you referred to earlier, are kind of becoming repeat customers, um, maybe even regulars for for Brighton. Um, you reported with Chris Wheatley that Arsenal are preparing to bid for Caicedo. Could you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, so essentially in January, it was very well reported. Um, Arsenal and Chelsea both lodged bids. Uh, Chelsea went in and then Arsenal came in afterwards. A couple of bids. Uh, The first one was about 60 65 million with add ons and the second one was around 70 um, though potentially rising to around 75 million pounds with unlikely add ons. Hence it was kind of more widely reported of being 70. Both rejected though because Brighton were very adamant at the time that Caicedo was not going anywhere. Uh, The reason for that because obviously the Europa League was potentially an option, Champions League, if they could really push on. They would have taken the Com- Europa Conference League, uh, but just to secure Europe, Caicedo was seen as so vital to that. So if they lost him in January, one that would really ruin prize money for the Premier League, but also the money for getting into Europe and the attraction of better players to replace him. That was kind of the thinking behind it. So no matter what was offered, it was going to be a no. Now though, Uh, Brighton have changed their stance because they made a promise to Kaiseido that if a substantial bid, something basically more than the previous bids, comes in in the summer, um, substantially more, he will be sold. So I'm not sure on the exact figure that they would want. Brighton don't tend to do asking prices. They'll want to do negotiations with any clubs that do come in for him. Um, But they'll be happy for him to go because of that promise, essentially. Um, so <laughs> that's not great for me to hear but that is what I have reliably been told kind of repeatedly over the last few weeks uh, and then kind of working with Chris kind of the understanding I'd had little inklings into it about Arsenal and how they were definitely going to kind of revisit that despite Declan Rice moving forward they want both that's what I've heard and speaking to Chris Wheatley who's one of my colleagues at National World his information was the same, the exact same in the facts, and if anything, more progress in the fact that they are going to bid fairly soon, for forgot to say, um, The bid's not coming yet, it was about a week ago or just under that we originally reported it, but it will come, it's just a matter of time, and I think Declan Rice <laughs> is kind of the main one at first, get that over mm-hmm. the line and other bids can happen. I mean, the transfer window's only just opened as we're recording this on the day of, so patience is probably needed, especially with such a uh, big transfer or two big transfers but there's definitely hope there for arsenal
0: yeah um and and you know like like you said there it would be a pretty significant outlay if we were to sign both rice at this point based on what i'm seeing looks like looks like it's probably going to happen um you know short of anything catastrophic happening at the closing stages but you know to sign Rice and Caicedo, you know that would be an outlay I'm guessing of at least 180 million on um on two players if not more. And um yeah, I mean those 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 kind of expenditures they're not going to happen on the the first day of this uh of the transfer window. So yeah, I think you're absolutely right in um you know saying that a little bit of patience will be required there. Um I've also seen reports that Chelsea are also extremely interested in Caicedo and, you know, with um, Ugarte having fallen through and, um, you know, N'Golo Kante looking like he's pretty much set to, to go to Saudi Arabia. Um, do you see Chelsea coming in for Brighton as, or sorry, coming in for Caicedo as well during this, um, you know, during Arsenal's attempt?
1: I do, yes. Uh, I do think they'll come in for him. I haven't got the information as much with Chelsea as I do with Arsenal. This is the problem here, but kind of the understanding is that they are going to be planning something because they missed out on Ugarte to PSG. They are of, co- of course losing Kanté and Kai was a player that they bid for in January. So you could just say it makes sense as it is, but the, the information that is there is that Brighton are expecting offers from Chelsea and Arsenal and potentially yeah. others as well. Um, yeah. they are they're just waiting. For an offer to come in basically. They're not just going to accept it straight away, that's not how they operate. They will probably negotiate upwards and try and find the fee, so it won't happen immediately. But what has changed, and the very key thing, is they were adamant it was a no, but now they are willing as long as the price is met. As I said, the price isn't actually set out, that's just how they operate. But it will be a case of negotiating, maybe a bit of a, a battle between Chelsea and Arsenal and any other clubs that want to get involved. Um, but Kai Sado as a player and his kind of attitude at the moment, well, he's with the Ecuador squad for his international uh, fixtures at the moment. He's very relaxed out there. And he's enjoying his time with his teammates. Of course, he's got some Brighton teammates there as well. He finds good comfort in and kind of around the player side, it is just a case of them being relaxed and knowing that Brighton will keep their promise. So why worry at the moment, just kind of when things come in, then approach it. Uh, but at the yep. moment, very chilled out in that
0: camp. I um... What's your sense, you know, in the event that, let's say, Arsenal and Chelsea both submit pretty much equal bids, uh, and, you know, the structure's about the same, you know, the finer details are about the same, and it comes down to uh, Caicedo's choice in the matter. And um, which would you say that Caicedo would lean toward in that situation?
1: It's difficult to say, but he does want Champions League football as a priority. So that would immediately put Arsenal ahead. Um, there's not been a case of, oh, I want Arsenal or I want Chelsea, but it Champions League is the priority of the if he can get it. Um, Chelsea just doesn't make... This is not even from an information side that I've had. This is just uh, an opinion. Chelsea doesn't make <laughs> sense when Brighton have got Europa League football and Chelsea have got no European football whatsoever. I just I don't see why that's a huge step up at the moment and it's a bigger risk, whereas Arsenal that there's a spot that's going to be ready made, readily made for him and he's going to be one of the best midfielders, best midfielders in the league, challenging for the title. Yes, Chelsea, they probably could do the same thing with their squads under Pochettino, they could definitely improve and they will, but he won't have that immediate Champions League football. Um, the information I did have in January was that Chelsea originally was kind of quite a good idea to him, he was quite excited by that thought, but when Arsenal came in, the thought of that title race being immediate was what made him want them a bit more at that point. But of course, months and months have passed since then. Brighton have qualified for Europe since then. And as I said, they're very relaxed at the moment and they're not really thinking about one club or the other, or any others that might come in. They're just going to wait to see what happens.
0: Yeah, and um, I, I, I I tend to agree with, uh, with that assessment of Chelsea. I just think, you know, like you said, they don't have any European football. I think it, that squad's a bit of a mess right now, and I think half the battle for Chelsea this summer are going to, you know, is going to be clearing out that roster and and making the space and you know maybe getting rid of some personalities in that dressing room and we'll see if Pochettino can do it. I think Pochettino is a really good coach, but he definitely has um, quite the job on his hands, and I don't think Todd Bowley going to make that any easier for him. It just doesn't seem like the kind of situation that you would leave. You know, again, Brighton, a team that's just made the Europa League, a team that plays really, um, you know, lovely, attractive, effective football, uh, a team that I think has one of the best coaches in the world at the helm right now. It, that that doesn't make much sense. Whereas you know, with us, if we do have that midfield of Rice and Caicedo, I think we're back competing for the league again next season, and. You know, yeah, we we just made the Champions League, and that will that will be a thing that we can offer Caicedo pretty, pretty immediately, as well as you know probably a competitive wage. I don't think we can pay, you know, as high a wage maybe as Chelsea can, but I I still think there's enough in there for it to be a, a really attractive offer. So well, I think yeah, that I mean,
1: is the the only thing that can really change things is if Chelsea put a ridiculous offer on the table. He's mm-hmm. he's a a player that's very proud of where he's grown up, and he was not a wealthy background by any means, in January a lot of his reason for wanting to, and the reason that he requests the transfer, he links it to, you know, quite, quite heavily written by his agent I think, but the, the meaning was behind it, and that was that he wants to be able to be successful for his family and help those back at home with funding. So that might have an impact, especially when it's only just waiting a year. The Chelsea to get Champions League is the likelihood they probably will qualify, judging by their squad, um, if not Europa League like Brighton they've got. But once again, this is going off stuff from January, <laughs> this isn't new information. Um, the new information is that Arsenal and Chelsea both expected to bid, Arsenal almost certainly will bid, well, they will, <laughs> they're going to after the Declan Rice situation, and that Brighton are now open to things and they weren't before. So it's now just kind of waiting for anything else, anything fresh to, to come through. I mean, as we're recording this, something could be brewing. He <laughs> might start breaking to myself and other journalists in the next few days. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but I I think he will leave Brighton this summer. I think he will. I don't think there's really a situation where he stays.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and it sounds like Brighton have kind of promised him that departure, maybe um, in exchange for him kind of staying in January and um, helping with the Europa League charge. and. You know, that's, that's, that's worked out quite well. Um, you know, we've we've only got probably a few minutes left here, so I do want to talk about Caicedo the player because there's been a lot of debate about, again, let's assume that quote-unquote Raicedo happens, right? And um, there's been a lot of debate about who would play as the number six in that midfield and then who would play as the left eight next to Martin Odegaard um, further up the pitch. And so... You know, a lot of people are, you know, saying that Rice is the six. A lot of people are saying that Caicedo is the six. So I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on what that could be. Because I know for Brighton, Caicedo is a little bit more deep-lying, you know, typically tasked with, you know, making the tackles and the interceptions, breaking up play. But he does get up the pitch a little bit for you guys. And, you know, on top of that, he spent um, a good part of the final weeks of the season even playing right back pretty well actually I you know I remember that game against United where he um he shut down Rashford pretty nicely as you as you guys pulled the double over them so I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts over you know where in the pitch you think Caicedo would be most likely to play
1: okay um, it's difficult to say Arsenal because I'm kind of very much thinking from a Brighton standpoint at Brighton, mm-hmm. he was using the array of positions. Um, as you say, right back towards the end of the season. I think he might have even been at right back in a 3-0 win at the Emirates. I could be wrong with that, but at least inverted. When he I don't remember right
0: such, to... a <laughs> don't such a game happening. You never not such a game happening. Just erase
1: that one from your memory. <laughs> the one that effectively ended your title charge. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Kostner had a very key involvement that day, as you will try and forget. But you'd like to remember if he does sign for you. Cause it's a promising mm-hmm. sign for you. He's very good at being an inverted right back. Um, he can also be a flat back four if you need him to be, but I think with that he's always going to have his two full-backs pushing on forwards. Um, but where he really excels is when you've got your full-backs pushing on and he is that deep-lying midfielder that can almost drop in at centre-back and he breaks up the play better than anyone I've ever seen in the Brighton shirt. His energy, his anticipation, um, the deceptions he makes, he's not even tall, but he just seems to manage to make himself look huge in the sense that (laughs) the space that he's occupying, it's no one's really getting past. And yeah, it's just that anticipation, as I mentioned, and the energy, the stamina, he's got some good pace as well, and the ability to, to absorb other teams' press as well. So when teams are really going at it and trying to get the ball off Brighton, Kaiseido and McAllister were kind of the two where the centre backs would drill it into them. First touch was tested, always very impressive. And then they'd get beyond the press very quickly. They, they didn't feel that pressure. they just were so composed to play it off, whether it be to a wide man or back to the full back to get forwards again. is so good at that. Um, but he can, as you, as you kind of alluded to, go a bit further up the pitch as well. He scored a couple of decent goals from outside the area, one of which his first goal for the club was against Manchester United in the 4-0 win um, the season before last. It was a very entertaining day for me. He, yeah, He's capable of, of playing further forward, but his best position is further back. So I hazard a guess that Rice might be the one who's a little bit more advanced. and He does progress with the ball so well at West Ham that maybe he could be the one alongside Erdegaard to push on attacks. And Kayser is the one to sweep in. What Calcedo offers, it's almost like what Kante did at Chelsea and Leicester. It feels like you've got an extra player. It's like there's two of them. Because they're that good at sweeping things up. And it takes so much pressure off the rest of the midfield and the attack to go and do what they need to do. So that's probably where he played, but as I say, he can play in an array of other positions.
0: Yeah, it's it, it it's it's really interesting how you say that with um, Rice potentially being the left eight and you know, I know um at Independiente eh uh, played a little bit further forward but Rice seems to have more of the qualities that Granite Xhaka had um, or still has it's not like he's left yet but you know he's he's a really good ball winner in the center of the pitch um you know good at arriving late um I think probably has a better physical profile than Xhaka at this point um not really relevant to you know, on the pitch, technical quality, but you know, I think he is similar in terms of being a leader, um, and you know, potentially kind of coming in and and serving as part of the leadership group at um, at Arsenal. So it is it is interesting, you know, that maybe that's that's the better fit. Personally, I have no idea what um what we'll do if we get both of those guys, but I think the fact that they're both so versatile and can play in either one of those positions is um is, is nothing but a plus so um yeah i mean i'm you know if if kaisedo happens i'm really excited um i think no matter what happens he's a phenomenal phenomenal player and um yeah it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens
1: no i think he'd be a very good addition wherever he goes he's got that quality already to play in the Champions League, to probably play for any team in the Premier League, I think even Manchester City, if he, if they had the space for him, he'd be able to play yeah. week in week out. He's that good, and he's still incredibly young, so his potential sky high. I think higher than any other ceiling Brighton have ever had, and it will take a huge fee for that reason. and let's, let's see what happens over the next few weeks.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well. Uh, Charlie, thank you so much for your time and you know coming on to to talk about again probably one of the best midfielders um, in the in the Premier League with us and um, yeah, looking forward to um, to seeing what other updates uh, you provide all of us with uh, in the coming in the coming weeks. So um, thanks again.
1: No worries at all. Keep an eye on that Twitter and also <laughs> obviously the likes of Fabrizio Romano, David Ornstein as well. Try and get ahead well, of them where I can, um, but quite often they they, they swoop in.
0: I believe in you, man. I think you can do it. And, um, you know, for, for those of you listening, you can also follow Charlie on Twitter at uh, at journo half. And uh, he also reports for Birmingham World UK. He's a podcaster on Let's Talk BHAFC. So be sure to talk him uh, to check him out. And, um, yeah, Charlie, thanks again for your time.
1: No worries. At all, mate. Take OK.
0: You too. Okay, and this, I guess, is part two of the pod, and um, so I'm here with two more illustrious guests. I'm really, really uh, pleased and honored to welcome Maddie J and Dan George, uh, both of whom are both halves of the uh, AFC Newsday pod. Did I get that right?
2: Yes, you did, you did sir. Did. Thank you. Yeah. Pleasure yeah. to be here. Yeah. Great to have you, you guys. Much having
0: me. So, um... How's, how, how many episodes have you have you guys uh have you guys done any episodes yet or not just the... yet
2: we've we've had the official podcast anou- announcement and then uh being completely honest with work at the moment it's quite busy so um, I'm going on holiday next week and then <laughs> when I get back we're gonna start cracking up the episodes hopefully weekly so um yeah that's the plan
0: no I'm looking forward to it you guys uh I think you guys are gonna gonna make a, like a really good team and uh yeah can't wait
2: Thank you. Thank you, man. Appreciate, Appreciate that. that.
0: Appreciate that. So we're gonna kick this off with a couple questions that um, that Sash got for us earlier today, and cool. um, these are, funnily enough, these are kind of tailored to each of you. So Dan, the first question is gonna go to you. Yep. And uh, this is from Semper at Semperfy Arsenal, and he asks. Question to Dan, a moment which surprised you or an unforgettable event while you were covering Arsenal last year and then parentheses as a journalist during the presser.
2: Um, well, big shout out to Semper, of course. Uh, I did see that question that he sent in and uh, he's a great guy, been supporting a lot throughout you know, my career so far. So uh, big thanks to him. But um, I mean, it's been a pleasure being able to cover Arsenal last season. Um, unfortunately, I won't be doing it going forward because of other work opportunities. But, you know, um, covering my boyhood club last season was just, you know, an incredible experience going up to Colney and the occasional games when I could get up there. So um, there were some really special moments. I know this guy, Matt, has actually properly met him and got a picture of him. Um, awesome. But I, one of the Europa League match weeks, um, you know, the the press conference you get to watch the players train, uh, you get the press conference with Mikel Arteta and then you get a player as well, and I think uh, we had Eddie Nketiah, Matt Turner, uh, someone else, and also Gabby Martinelli, and I was up there for the the Gabriel Martinelli one, and uh, after the press conference I just kind of said to him, oh thank you Gabby because I got to ask him a question. That, and he, he just kind of winked at me and said, "No problem, my bro." And that you did, he did the little, you know, the phone thing that Gabby <laughs> Jesus does. Yeah, um, he, he's just such a cool guy. That was that was, un, you know, just unreal experience. And that just, you know, being able to walk around Colney and walk to the training pitches and the, you know, it's just incredible experience. And the facilities are amazing around there. Um, yeah, ju- just yeah, I'd probably say that moment with Gabby or. When we got free cakes for Mikel Arteta's birthday, um, meeting Win the dog—you know that uh, the players have got there—that was quite cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, now there's been some really good moments, and I've been very blessed to be in that situation.
0: That's awesome. That yeah, no, that that sounds like you know a, a couple of really, really amazing experiences, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm glad you got to have those.
2: Thank you, man. I ticked a lot off the bucket list. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> sounds like it. Um, so Matt your question comes from PME at Marie uh, Escobar Pog and he asks ask Matt what meal deal he gets before an Arsenal game
3: I love it I love (laughs) the topic of meal deals I used to be someone who'd never (laughs) have meal deals but um, (laughs) I don't really have before Arsenal games to be fair I did last time it's kind of whatever's there but I'll just give my general general I mean, yeah, post-game Nando's or post-game kebab—you you can't go wrong at all. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I'll give my—I'll uh, give my normal meal deal because I think that'll be a better better answer because normally it's just what's available at the time and there's a few options, but uh, I don't think we'll spend too long to my meal deal. So uh, I'll just say my general one is southern fried chicken baguette, uh, fulfilled salted caramel protein bar, unbelievable stuff, uh, and a Ufit fit shake. Ideally, if not a uh, Pepsi, sometimes. Coke sometimes, a Fanta sometimes, a smoothie sometimes. It ranges quite a bit, but uh, that's what I'd go for generally. Which one, Matt? Which,
2: which shop, Matt? Which shop?
3: range a lot. That's Tesco. If if all contains breeze, because that'll be more likely for a pre game. Yeah. We're probably talking if they have the For Goodness Shakes, but <laughs> don't have them too often. <laughs> that, that is, is that an actual that thing? <laughs> yeah, they're called For Goodness Shake. Um, I'm pretty the sure. Next Get one. to sponsor We might. That might be the new sponsor for uh for (laughs) that. um we get either that or a very good advertising from them with the name or a a soft drink or sometimes just water recently i've just been getting water i don't like getting water because you know the classic you spend a lot on on meal deals and stuff uh you get the most for your buck but i think water you can't really go too wrong with particularly on previous arsenal games where it's been a lot hotter and a lot sunnier so something like brighton for example water Get yeah, probably a, a a roll of not a roll, a a wrap of some sorts. Probably like a cheese, tomato, basil, and uh, yeah, a uh, some kind of chocolate bar. I feel like I spent way too long to what meal there, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> what a guy PME is as well.
0: No, I love it. It's uh th- th- this has been very educational for me for the next time I'm in uh, I'm in London. So, um yeah no I I enjoyed that. If but, you come to well, London,
2: well, don't get a meal deal. Get a proper, a proper meal. Don't don't just limit yourself to a, a Tesco's <laughs> meal deal. <laughs> yeah, that's. Oh,
3: yeah, of that, the day,
0: unfortunately that's that's more of like in a pinch or something. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Still very valuable info. Um, so, I do want to talk about the the Havertz slash Kaiseido situation. But first of all, um, just because we haven't really addressed it on the pod yet. Um, Reports have come out saying that William Saliba is set to sign an extension to his current agreement. It's gonna see him become one of the highest paid players at the club. I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on, you know, how how big of a deal this is and you know, I guess, you know, whether or not you're surprised or um or not surprised that Saliba has decided to stay on at Arsenal for the foreseeable future.
2: Matt, you wanna go first?
3: Sure. Uh, I was waiting for it and I was like, do I go or do I go? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think a lot of the time fans like making certain narratives about players that you know they'd leave Arsenal or the relationship isn't good or someone doesn't like a manager, etc, etc. And I think a lot of the time that is fabricated. Um, and I think watching Saliba this season, watching the love as well he has for us, it doesn't really surprise me. Although he is the type of player where if we did fall below his level... Uh, You know, any team in world football is after him. Same with Bucaio in that sense, same with Martinelli in that sense. But I wasn't really worried about him extending. The agent side of things, I was a bit more worried about, you know, how much it would be. I remember a report came out, which is a bit bit fishy, really, saying that, you know, we might have to cash in on him. Um, But I think ultimately, he loves the club. The position we're in, there's not really many more attractive projects in the world. Obviously, he joined us at 18... Uh, you know a lot of loans and such but um, it's it's all come full circle with him being a key key part of the team and we also saw how important he was back end. so it's brilliant and it's fantastic and it's really underrated that all these contract extensions every single huge young player these Galactico level young players as well as the likes of Ramsdale, Gabriel, uh, soon to be I'd imagine Ben White would be next, Erdegaard doesn't seem at all like any kind of problem and uh, others too of course Reece Nelson as well seems on the verge of it too so very exciting stuff. A really good direction, and uh, I'm not I'm not necessarily surprised, as I say, because I think people do create narratives around certain players. But uh, I think you know it's it's pretty clear. He loves the club. He loves he loves being here, and we couldn't be happier about that. And I can't wait to see what he does achieve with us.
2: Um, yeah, no, just incredible top top sensation, as he said himself. Um, just to see him hopefully soon sign that new contract um he's he's honestly an incredible player i think he's one of the best defenders in in europe from what he showed last season uh, his partnership was with gabriel was so good and just i remember seeing him in the, the starting 11 for that crystal palace game on the first game of the season last year and just you know watching him perform i, I think it just took everyone by surprise and he just really kind of carried on an upward trajectory throughout the campaign. And it's been great to watch. And he's been, you know, his performances have been have been superb. So um, I think, honestly, brilliant news. I think for a lot of these players to, to be signing new contracts, I think there's been a little bit of talk about, oh, I've seen some people have been saying that, you know, the deals aren't long enough. But a bit like Matt kind of said, that if Arsenal drop below the levels then these players have got, you know, a way to, you know, facilitate a move if they need to. But then, you know, some people complaining about that. But this is kind of the reality of being a top club and having top players and top talent that know that they can kind of go anywhere in the world if if they want to. So um, I think it's brilliant news. And I have no doubt that if Arsenal continue on this, you know, upward trajectory and, keep making the progress they've made for the last two seasons and there's no reason why they wouldn't continue to extend their stay with uh the, the football club um for longer um you know when the contract renewal time comes up
0: yeah yeah no i um completely agree with both of you guys i think it's it's a very momentous um you know event for us to have Saliba sign on i i I think he's going to go on to become pretty comfortably one of the best center backs in world football. And, Mm. you know, as we're all too familiar, Arsenal fans love to assume the worst. And so, you know, I remember those. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll get on to that. But, Mm. you know, I'll never forget, you know, those two seasons that Saliba spent on loan. And, you know, we signed him, sent it back to Saint-Étienne, and then we messed up his loan in the first half of um i believe it was the 2020 2021 season we didn't get the paperwork done in time and then we loaned him out to nice for the remainder of the season and then he was at marseille last season and people kind of just started running with this you know narrative that salib was going to come back full of hate for arteta and decide they (laughs) want nothing to do with arsenal and uh, yeah, I, I, it was, it was very vindicating in a way to see him pretty instantly be a fixture in starting eleven, you know, straight out mm. of the gate uh, during preseason. So, you know, it's, it's nice to see him kind of confirm what we've been seeing on the pitch and off the pitch this season, which is he really is enjoying his time with us. He's, you know, he feels like he's part of the group, and I think that I think it sends a message along with you know the the tying down of Saka and Martinelli and and Ramsdale and I think Odegaard will will also follow behind them pretty quickly is that you know we're we're holding on to this to this top talent all these top talents that we have and we have players who really believe in what we're doing and and also I I think it shows that we take care of the people that you know, are taking care of us on the pitch, right? I think mm-hmm. Sack has kind of put us on his back for the last couple seasons. Martinelli had a breakout campaign, I think, this year. Uh, Ramsdale has really, I I think he's really performed well. I'm not sure a lot of people would agree with that, but I think he's pretty pretty easily one of the top five keepers in the league. And, and Zaliba, you know, came in and his absence was probably the reason why we didn't go on to win the league. So, it is. It is really nice to see in in that regard that we're managing to still attract our own players to sign on their futures to stay with us. So hopefully that's a message to pro- prospective signings that we're the place to be. So mm-hmm. speaking of us being the place to be, um, uh, let's let's skip over the rice signing because um, maybe maybe that will be something to talk about if and when it gets done, but. We got linked to Kai Havertz. I think I think the link started coming out yesterday, and that's pretty quickly snowballed into something concrete. It really does look like we're getting close to, you know, if not signing him, at least putting in a formal bid. So, you know, I just kind of want to get your your take on Kai Havertz, the player, right? Let's 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 you know we'll we'll try to like kind of break this out a little bit but um Matt I'll start with you kind of what are are your opinions on Kai Havertz the player is this influenced at all by his last few seasons with Chelsea do you still think that there's something in there for for Arteta to potentially work with
3: it's a very interesting player I mean Arteta has uh seemingly got this habit of you know having the I can fix him narrative which is quite a funny one um but no (laughs) seriously like it's, it's hard to say. It's, it's a link which has come out of nowhere and has escalated so quickly. And obviously Chelsea's financial situation we all know about and the fact that sales are definitely something which they need to do with such a bloated squad. And that may involve getting rid of players for either a cut price or players they don't want to get rid of. And Havertz probably goes under that side of both almost. Uh, not that they're, you know, per se, don't want to get rid of him, but... Potentially, if they had a thinner squad, it'd be someone where they'd be like, "Okay, we'll give him another season and see how things go. But I think on Havertz himself, he was fantastic at Leverkusen, really versatile playing in a lot of different areas. Uh, And as I think the big uh, common denominator with most most big signings is uh, if you don't prepare to fit them in or know what they're going to do, then prepare for them to fail or fall below expectations. And I think that's exactly what's happened with Kai Havertz. I think no one even now really knows his best position he's a very unique profile very unique player being compared to some greats in the past and if we'd signed him straight from leverkusen the reaction would be one of immense excitement i'm sure uh but of course few years at chelsea he's it's also easy to forget that his big game status has been fantastic obviously not just that champions league but the liverpool cup final round Madrid at home a few others too he does seem like a big big game player he's a very good presser of the balls he's very tall uh, I think he definitely needs to improve in that area though like he's tall but aside from being a good header of the ball in terms of the back to goal playing being a physical handful that's that's not the type of play you're getting with Havertz but I think what appeals about Havertz is his versatility playing off the right a lot of people have spoken about it being as an eight I'm not really sure because I think I could see it being used particularly with how Xhaka was playing and how high he was playing for us but at the same time, it is a case of if we were to play, let's say, the 2-8s, which there's been a lot of talk over. Whenever we've done that out and out two eights, it's not really been successful, and I'm not personally a big fan of going down that route. Um, but it's, it's hard to say, you know. I guess the club will have a huge vision or a huge plan for him. If we're paying what's seeming to be about sixty million pounds for him, it's not going to be a case of, you know, he plays wherever. I suspect it's a bit more of a case where he has an actual set position, which as fans we can play a guessing game and see what Mikel wants to do but I'm sure they have a very distinct vision and I think Havertz is seen as a market opportunity I've definitely had a lot of doubts about the player I'm not going to pre- pretend like I haven't but it also is a case where I've learned to trust what Mikhail does and I've learned to be like the guy's 23 well just turned 24 and obviously has a lot of potential uh, not just I guess we're signing him for what he can be not what he is per se but uh that's, that's, I guess, the risk you take with a player who was touted to be a sensational player, has shown some promise, has shown some good ideas. But I think it is also t- good to remember, while talking about him disappointing, the systems he has played in. I don't think he's ever really played in a functional setup, or at least not even one similar to Arteta's. So that'll be an interesting one. It'll be very interesting to see why he plays. When I first saw it, I thought it was a bit of a laugh, uh, to be honest. But the more it's come... To fruition, the more it's seeming like something which will happen. So, fair enough. I trust the club. Uh, of course, we'll get behind the behind the player from from the off, and uh, it's an intriguing one. It's an exciting one as a fan, also a confusing one. But uh, time will tell, and it'll be a be an interesting one to to see how he does. And I wish him the best of luck if he does uh, end up wearing
0: red and white by the end of the window or soon, even with that. Yep, yep. No, I uh, I, I agree with that, uh, Dan. What, what do you think?
2: Um, I think it's an interesting potential signing I remember being in one of the, the final press conferences sorry excuse my dog's barking in the background I remember being in one of the final press conferences towards the back end of last season and really uh, one of the journalists asked Mikel Arteta um, you know like is this squad ready to compete in the Champions League now and he just straight up replied saying no and I think that's quite obvious to a lot of fans I think that's um, yeah really quite a an open and obvious thing to see towards the back end of last campaign when the fixtures started getting tough and i think signings like this would be you know good for the squad looking to compete in the Champions League and the Premier League and you know also your domestic cup competitions and you know just adding quality across across the board in in more positions and like Matt said i don't think he's right now the finished article and I think again you just got to learn to trust the manager on this and hope that he can you know mold him into the player that he wants him to be and arsenal can benefit from that
0: yeah it's um i i think havertz is maybe the most mixed my opinions have been on a on a transfer target in quite some time, you know. On, on on the one hand, when he was with Leverkusen, he was touted as being a very generational talent, and there are still, you know, people I would refer to as German football experts who believe that that player is still in there, despite you know a fairly mixed few seasons with Chelsea. And um, yeah, I I think the talent's there. He's six foot three. I I'm personally inclined to believe that he would come in as a forward option if we were to sign him I just I think that left center mid player really needs to be useful off the ball and that's something that Xhaka brought to the table where he was really you know he was a physical player really good at winning uh those second balls uh competed was a big part of you know kind of our structural integrity um you know in midfield and off the ball and Havertz just really isn't that player but from an attacking output um you know I've always thought he was pretty good obviously he's um not the most prolific scorer but I was looking at you know his fb ref yesterday and I think obviously you know that this isn't data to come to a definitive conclusion on any player but I think his there are some parts of this data that's really interesting right his passing tends to be in the high 90s to you know to high 80s in terms of his percentile you know in all in all three fir- thirds medium long uh and short and um you know he's got pretty high cr- crossing numbers good progressive passes and then defensive numbers especially to tackles in the attacking and middle third um 88th and 94th percentile respectively which i think is really interesting um and so what what i'm about to say after this is that is is not again is not something that i want to kind of translate into a conclusion in every single scenario but if you go to players that he statistically is most similar to eighth on that list is gabriel jesus and that just kind of makes me wonder if he is coming in to play a similar role maybe we shift jesus out to the right and consider that our our right wing signing obviously i think jesus would also play down the middle and havertz wouldn't necessarily play down the middle all the time but i it just makes me wonder maybe havertz is some someone that we're looking at as another center forward option um you know a guy who can do what jesus gives us but also maybe provides that physical profile and has that that physical build that maybe we're looking for in a player there but Um, yeah, I, I think, I think he's really interesting. It's just, I, I think, I think Matt, you do have a point where you refer to Arteta having this, I can fix him complex and it just, I don't know that that will, that works until it doesn't, you know what I mean? And if you continuously, especially with Chelsea players, if you continuously try to sign these guys in the hopes that like, you know how to use them and the club that they were at doesn't, I think eventually that's going to come back to haunt you and I just don't want a player that we look like we're going to spend 60 million pounds on to be that mistake.
2: I'd say I say just to say Sham I think it's a um a, a signing of intent if you look at the money like you said that they're looking to spend on him I don't think Arsenal would I mean you you you'd almost be inclined to say Arsenal wouldn't be signing him if Arteta didn't you know completely back you know the signing and didn't feel like he's got the plan to to make him into the player he wants him to be for arsenal if, if you get where i'm coming from
0: yeah absolutely and you know um according to reports right we're talking 60 million pounds as a transfer fee over 200k per week that's starter money and um yeah, yeah. I, I i completely agree this is a signing of a 10 like havertz isn't going to come sit on the bench for us he's going to play pretty regularly
2: yeah, 100%.
0: 100%. I think as
3: well with, with Havertz, which is interesting, it's, of course, as you say, it's a highly controversial one. But it's, as you say, you know, he's going to come, he's going to have to start. In all honesty, by the way, I had something I was going to say, completely forgot what I was going to say, started waffling to try to remember what I was going to say, didn't remember what I was going to say. And uh, <laughs> here we are. So, try to improvise and uh Well, and have I you remembered,
2: or are you say? just going to tell us that you've forgotten?
3: Probably remember in about ten seconds.
2: oh okay. <laughs> okay. I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna tell us.
3: That's it. I remember now. I do remember. That. <laughs> I was gonna say, it's often hard to say when you see a player like Havertz at Chelsea. But I think one incredibly underestimated thing about any footballer is environment, and for me, that is a huge part of whether a player thrives or not, or whether a transfer is successful or not. So, just because a player looked a shadow of their former selves at a new club, doesn't mean that. They don't have a useful skill set, which maybe isn't perfectly fitted to, you know, the, uh, I guess, the modern game and people say it. But then someone like Cody with people had the same opinion of, obviously it's early days, but he's, he's looked really good as a nine for, for Liverpool. So obviously I'm not comparing them at all. I'm just giving an example. Um, but I think the main interesting point is how important confidence is, how important the environment is and how this Arsenal environment Of full of young players, full of the project, which, of course, he fits being relatively young and being a player who, you know, there's still at least his prime years out of, plus more, uh, you know, how that can go and potentially benefit Arsenal and maybe he becomes, you know, very similar to his former self in an environment which allows him to thrive in a coherent system in a team which he hasn't been a part of or even near since he uh, left Leverkusen. So I think that's a very underestimated aspect to think about mentally for for players. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And Arteta does have a really great track record of, you know, adjusting that environment and bringing out the best in several players in this squad. Yeah, I think probably Granite Xhaka is the prime example that you can point to where we had a guy who was universally disliked by the fan base, partially because we were putting him in, in situations that he was never going to succeed in. Arteta shows up, plays him further up the pitch gives him, you know, a partner in midfield in Thomas Partey and suddenly Xhaka looks like one of the best midfielders in the Premier League and, you know, I think you can say the same about Odegaard and I think he's improved Bukayo Saka and Gabriel Martinelli and uh, I think Gabriel even, during his time during their time at Arsenal, so yeah, I think that's an excellent point in terms of what the environment can do for, for a player who's maybe down on their confidence a little bit
3: yeah, But i say doesn't... as well, I think yeah. this is the most intriguing signing under Arteta because obviously we've seen what we've seen at Chelsea but Real Madrid are in for him City were linked with him other teams are linked with him, Bayern so (laughs) there's clearly something a lot of us are missing and there's clearly a, a huge belief among a lot of managers that this player can become a player who you know, comes back to his former self and throws up a lot of surprises and obviously I think once again it's a financial opportunity which has arisen considering Chelsea's situation
0: yeah. Yeah. And um, at, at the end of the day, I, I think that's a really good indication of, you know, the value that people see in that player. If it was just us going for Havertz, then I'd be a little bit more concerned. But, you know, with with Bayern Munich being linked and Real Madrid being linked. Yeah, I, I, think, I think there is something, um, some encouragement to take from that as well. But if we... I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this next question. So... There seems to to be this, I think, reasonable expectation that if we complete the signings of Rice and Havertz, then suddenly Moises Ca- Caicedo, who we've been linked to for, you know, uh, quite a bit of time now, suddenly isn't a possibility. And, you know, I, I think that does make sense because you're talking about effectively maybe a 200 to 240-ish million outlay on three mm. players, it's a lot of money to spend. I think it's pretty unprecedented in terms of expenditure on, you know, three players like that. But I guess a question I wanted to ask you guys and, and Dan, I'll go to you first here, is that if if we were to sign Havertz, do you think that suddenly makes Kaiseido um improbable? And if so, do you think it's worth it?
2: I think so, and I think from from what I've seen from recent reports, it looks like he's probably going to go Chelsea. Um, So, I mean, I would have loved to have seen Caicedo at Arsenal. I think he was fantastic last season. I think another name of another midfielder um, who I've covered a lot for for where I work at BBC Radio Solent is Romeo Lavia. Um, I've watched every every Saints game last season, which wasn't exactly fun, Um, (laughs) but watching Lavia was... Watching Lavia was just honestly brilliant to, to see last season. And I think he's an incredibly talented player. And I think he's another one that, I mean, I'd still like to see Arsenal bring in another midfielder if they get Rice and Havertz. And I know Havertz is maybe a bit further forward, but I think Lavia is a, a player that I would love to see at Arsenal. Um, and But again, another, another thing is the money, because Southampton apparently reportedly want... About 50 million for him, which is a lot of money for a 19 year old. So, um, yeah, I think I don't think Kaiseido is going to happen personally, from what I've seen and heard. Um, But it's not the end of the world. I think Declan Rice is, for me, the priority, always has been the priority, the main man who can potentially be Arsenal captain for years to come, you know. I know Odegaard's got it at the moment, but he's got those leadership values, uh, even if he's not wearing the armband. Like Jack has been for the past few years, um, he's got those capabilities to to lead the side with his performances and his his actual you know actions and leadership ability. So, um, yeah, I think Declan Rice is the main one. I'm I think it's the one I'm most emotionally invested in, and when that one hopefully gets over the line, I think I'll almost. See anything else as a bonus in some ways.
0: Yeah, um, Matt, what do you think? Just waiting for a car to drive
3: by. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, at this point, it just feels like it's monopoly money. Like, everyone's worth 50 million, 100 million, 30 million, 20 million, 70, like, it's, it's, it's not real money. I hate to break it to you. Um, but no, I'm I'm a huge fan of, of Kaiseido, and the idea of having Rice and Kaiseido, I felt was. Not only a huge power player, if you will, take all the top, top midfielders off the market, not only also take advantage of huge opportunities in the sense of Rice not extending, and uh, I remember previous comments as well, potentially saying about like, an English midfielder who could join Arsenal if they got Champions League, and that's what we're seeing now, and uh, Caicedo with Brighton's situation. And I think people thinking that it's a fantasy world that we sign both is a bit far off, particularly given what happened in January. And you know the Rice talks being in the works for a while. I don't think that's entirely fair. Um, and I would have loved them both. And I was relatively confident we would get both. But if uh, if the club have a different different vision, then fair enough. You know, uh, I'm not I'm not one to judge. I'm one to trust whatever the club go for. But I think if it is let's say spending that big outlay on Havertz instead of Kaiseido Today it was reported 120 million for Kaiseido. I don't know if that's true or not. If it is, then completely understand. There's not a chance we're spending over 100 million on two transfers each. That is, but uh, if if not, then uh, if if we do get Havertz for about 60 or a bit under, as long as for me we do get that six eight hybrid as well, because I think it comes to a point where we lose Jaka, we get Rice fantastic. I'm a huge fan of Xhaka, but Rice is sensational and a huge upgrade. But after that, I think upgrading on midfield is essential. And I think the thing with Caicedo too is Party's out of contract next summer. Elneny's out of contract next summer. Jorginho, you don't know if he's going to stay for you know a long while or if he's going to go sooner. You'd imagine he stays for a bit, but you know that's up in the air, obviously. Uh, seems happy in London, etc. But there's nothing to say, you know, uh, Italy couldn't happen in the future. So I think our midfield situation is very much a case of adding to it, would not be a bad idea, particularly with uh, Granite Xhaka going. And I think it is disappointing that it does seem like Caicedo will be heading to Chelsea. But once again, it depends how much he does go to Chelsea for. Because if it's about 80 million, I'd far rather we put that outlay on, on those two. Uh, but if it is about 100 or 110, 115, 20 million, then I completely understand. But... It is what it is. I trust the club's direction. And as I say, I just really hope we do go for that 6-8 hybrid. Like Dan mentioned, Romeo Lavia. I don't know tons about him. Of course, uh, Dan's far better equipped to speak about him. But uh, he seems like a really exciting player. It was fantastic in the second game against us as well. So, I'd say Lavia's like a part, more of a, a
2: deep-lying uh, kind of, you know, in that almost part position. A deep-lying, like really offers a lot going, you know, defensively and going forward. So like a deep-lying playmaker... More of a a six probably than an eight, I'd say. But I think the main thing with him. Sorry to interrupt, Matt. Is that he's still incredibly young, and I think he almost needs, uh, he he can't play a full thirty eight game season, and I think he still he needs almost like to to understudy someone at the highest level. So I think if you've got you know the Champions League next season, and you've got Partey, Declan Rice, Romeo Lavia, and then you know a few others to, to rotate with. I think if Lavia can play one game a, a week, probably no more at his age at the moment. And I think he, you know, if that would be nice. And then what's to say when Partey moves on and goes out of contract, I think Lavia can be the man to, to step up. And I think he, he's an incredible player. I think he's, his talent is, is superb.
3: Yeah, that I completely agree with that. And I'm pleased you added that insight in as well. Uh, as I say, you know, position-wise, that's far more catered to To uh, I would mean your best to just to uh talk about that, but Mm. yeah, if we we did end up with uh Lavia, as I spoke about the two midfielders ending up or contract expiring in 2024, there's been links to Gundawan, there's been links to other eights, of course, it's crazy early days in the window. Uh, but I guess the way Arsenal have been recently, it's been a case of doing business early, and as we're seeing with uh Declan Rice, which almost seems like a bit of a formality that that's like happening, if you said to People a few years ago, or even last year, you know, Arsenal are going to sign, presuming it does go through. Uh, Arsenal are going to spend £100 million on one of the most sought after midfielders in Europe. That player is going to want to join them, and, you know, he's a future captain of England and the club and everything at a peak age and has played over 200 games for his boyhood club. That's going to be like, or just saying sign Declan Rice full stop. That's going to be like, wow. So it's almost been overshadowed by presuming if once again it does happen the signing of Declan Rice but of course you know the dream of of Rice and Caicedo was a very valid one in my opinion and uh, one I would have loved to see but uh, as long as uh, we have alternatives for it and uh, whatever reason the club walked away fair enough or potentially there was in not you know tons of interest of course January was a huge interest period but maybe that was just an opportunity to uh, go full steam ahead with the title and maybe not one to revisit in the summer who knows
0: yeah yeah. I am um, Dan, I'm just I'm just thinking about you going and watching Southampton games just to sure. not just to see Lavia, <laughs> but like but like but kind of taking solace in the fact that you're seeing Lavia. As a DC sports fan, I very much empathize with that, especially like a few years ago back when we had you know, the Wizards would have like one player who's pretty good and then the other players hot garbage, so Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: we we cover Bournemouth as well, so that's been a bit more exciting as well. So we we do live commentaries of every game, and um, yeah, Southampton, Bournemouth, and and Portsmouth, and at one stage in the season, all three of them were losing every game, so it was a bit a bit depressing at one stage. But um, yeah, um, no, but yeah, no, Lavi is a, a great player, and I just wanted to say as well, I think we could maybe see a bit of a different system and formation and the way we that Arsenal play next season potentially because. You know, Xhaka leaving, Declan Rice. Again, I've I've seen a nice amount, but I wouldn't say I'm I'm an expert on on watching Declan Rice and knowing exactly where he plays. But correct me if I'm wrong, chaps, but I'd say maybe he's a bit more defensive. Well, he is more defensive and deeper lying than someone like a a Granite Xhaka plays. So maybe you might see two more kind of slightly deeper players next season with you know just because of what's available if, if you do get you know you've got Partey Rice playing kind of almost next to each other maybe and or, or Lavier and Rice or Lavier and Partey I, th- I think yeah we, we might be able to potentially maybe see a slightly different style of play from what's been successful this season.
0: I definitely think we're going to evolve a little bit in terms of how you know in terms of what the regular system is and and how we set up because I think I think Arteta's shown, you know, from season to season he likes to change things up a little bit and progress, um, you know, I guess kind of his 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 theories and his tactics. And I guess there's also an element of just, you know, keeping the other Premier League teams guessing as to what we're doing for, you know, at least as long as possible. So yeah, I mean I I think I think I agree with both of you guys in that if we were to sign Havertz that that makes the Caicedo transfer pretty difficult to envision. I don't think it's out of the question, but I I think that would entail us having probably the wildest summer transfer window that we've maybe ever had. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, it, and you know, already the the kind of outlay that we were talking about for just Rice and Caicedo was unprecedented. So, I I I, I struggle with you know, kind of letting go of the Kaiseido thing. And I I'm falling into this trap that I think everybody falls into now and again, which is you get really attached to a particular player over the course of the transfer window and then you just you can't see past them and you can't imagine anything other than them. Um and, you know, you're kind of already seeing that on the timeline with a lot of other people who are Kind of putting two and two together and seeing that Kaizerdo is probably not happening and 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 using that as a, a stick to be arsenal with, but I you know I I think it is important to remember that a thing you know again we're not going to line up probably the way that we lined up this season or at least we're not going to play the same way we're going to play slightly differently and B whatever we think is the best way forward is very probably not what Arsenal think are the best way forward so whatever they have planned um you know is likely just involves a different kind of thinking probably higher level thinking than than what than what we're up to over here so you know it's I think that's just something that like um it's important to really reconcile and and and, yeah just kind of come to terms with but if you if you told me that we were gonna finish this summer with Rice Havertz maybe another attacking midfielder and, uh, I would pref- I would prefer probably like a right back signing then you know I I think I'd be more than happy with that. I'd be perplexed
3: to be fair. Telling me Havertz is joining and I'd be like, sorry, where's that <laughs> come? From? But uh, that's our quickly transfer. I think a centre back
2: would be a nice signing as well, maybe because obviously Saliba last season did when when he came out the side. There was a a big drop off to, to Rob Holding. Kivior looked good. Um, may, maybe another a centre back, not crazy money because I don't think Arsenal will have crazy money in their budget to to spend. But um, yeah, I think a centre back as well as a right back maybe would be a, a good a good choice.
3: Yeah, I, I second that for sure.
0: I think center back is really going to be interesting next season because I wonder if White might not be the best backup option to Saliba, you know, cuz we saw him kind of come in at that position these the last two games of the season. He I think he was excellent there. Um, really slotted in and played to yeah. the to the same level that he played in the, you know, 21-22 season. So I I wonder if maybe it's more important to sign someone who can fill in for White in the event that we have to shift White over to fill in for Saliba. But I mean, uh, you know, obviously, if we were to sign like a right-sided center back, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind it. But I, I can't help but think that maybe that would be efficient. I guess would be the word for it. But yeah, not, not entirely sure there.
3: I think a common thing with Arsenal squad building and squad planning has been which probably, once again, appeals with Havertz, appeals with Rice, a player who can play in multiple areas. So you look at Man City's team, for example, it's almost emulating that. You don't look at a team which is completely thick and can create an A, a B and a C team, but you look at a team who have an A and a B team, even not a complete B team, but that B team consists of players in the A team who can play left-back, right-back, centre-back, since Field, not center yeah. but yeah like John Stones you know he's the perfect example Akanji's played across the back four um Rodri well not Rodri to as a bad example but you, you, you get the point generally
0: <laughs> I think I think a, that's low-key been the the secret to City's success apart from you know spending over a billion pounds and probably breaking a bunch of financial rules while they're doing it but I, I think in addition to that at least the way that on the on the pitch, I think the key to success for Guardiola has been rotating players and kind of following that principle of having very versatile players, having a small group of guys, you know, because I think they only really use like sixteen to eighteen players on a regular basis, but all of but almost all of those guys can play in a variety of different positions. Bar, you know, I think Rodri and Holland, basically, all those other guys, you know. Um, you know they can play across the back line. They can play in different parts of midfield. They can play on, um, you know, either side of the of the flanks or you know either flank. And um, yeah, I, I I think that's been pretty underrated. So I hope that's a direction that we head in, because I think a problem, a, a really big problem with the whole two elevens idea is that I think you end up having people come in cold. In really critical situations that you're relying on them in because they only play like a couple hundred minutes a season because of the fact that they're behind someone in the packing order and that's the only time they're going to play is when that person is unavailable.
3: Yeah absolutely that I mean we even saw with uh, certain players what, what we're saying about environment and everything like that even for us it's difficult for certain players to come in in such conditions where Not titles on the line per se, but it's crunch time or even in lesser games when they haven't really played previously, momentum and rhythm is so important. So you always have to find that right balance of players you can trust in the Premier League, in Europa last season, the Champions League this season, in all cup competitions, but also rotating enough so players aren't getting tired or fatigued to a heavy, heavy extent. And you've got a full squad of players who you can fully trust, not just a team, which is essential and what you know city have done so so well
0: yeah yeah um so to to move off to probably a less exciting topic because i think this has kind of been lost in the caicedo and Havertz uh news cycles is we were recently linked to uh timothy castagne of of leicester and um you know uh, Dan, I just want to get your thoughts on, you know, is that what? How how would you feel about that signing if we were to make it?
2: Um, it's an interesting one. I don't know too much about him. Again, uh, obviously he's a, he's a right back, and I think I don't know. It's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I, I don't know too much about the profile, but Arsenal's options at the moment. You've got Ben White, who was superb there last season. You've got Tommy Asu, who we hope, will be there for next season when he he hopefully comes back uh, recovering from his injury. Um, It's an interesting one. It's not one that I'd probably go for. Um, But, yeah, it would be one that you'd... I I don't know. We've not really heard much, again, since the, the initial reports kind of came out, and I wouldn't say many major... Outlets have kind of been still going with it and it's gone quite quiet. So yeah. maybe it's something that will be revisited revisit- in the, the back end of the, the transfer market. But um, yeah, not, not really much to, to add to that one, to be honest.
0: It it feels like kind of a, um, maybe like a budget signing to, to help allocate funds somewhere else and just bring in, you know, a Premier League experience guy. I think he can also play left back if I'm not mistaken. So yeah i think it would be interesting in that sense where you're 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 getting a guy again who has experience in the league and yeah um can play multiple positions um i yeah i i I can't say i know too much about him quality wise but um yeah it just strikes me as kind of like more of like an efficient filling out the squad kind of kind of move but matt what are your thoughts
3: i think with with the nature of Arsenal nowadays or Arsenal fans nowadays, I feel like everything needs an extreme reaction. And I have to say, when I saw Kustani links I was like, "Whoa!" Uh, and <laughs> once again, it could be agent-led. It could be, you know, not necessarily the most concrete. Although there has been quite a few links, but I don't know how deep that is. You know, I'll have to wait and see. As you say, maybe it's one which goes back end of the window. Is the lesser priority, lesser competition, etc. But I don't think much is really needed to be said in a negative way it's just as simple as being a depth player who as you say covers in other areas uh can play as, as left back I just had a look on Charles transfer market as well to see his injury record which I did for Havertz as well um so he could play left back right back and he's played as a right mid for Leicester as well so I think ultimately a versatile back ticks to boxes nothing really to add on him it's just a case of signing a player to as you say save money elsewhere and some signings won't be the most exciting signings ever, but you know maybe they're they're necessity ones to make. So have to wait and see if that one really escalates or if that one's really anything too concrete. I have my doubts if it is, but uh, if if it happens, it happens. So yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, okay, here's here's maybe a more exciting one then. So, Kylian Mbappe, right? Whoa, reports.
3: Whoa, of... whoa. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Killing about that.
3: Should I grab your attention? <laughs> yeah, Yo, I was having a nap. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Just... <laughs>
0: I, Sorry, man, I, I. i don't even know what I would do if there was an Orni bomba saying that we had signed Mbappe. I, I, I legitimately don't know how I'd react to that. But, I, so now, so naturally, I'm going to ask you how you'd react to that. Um. So PSG reportedly are willing to let go of Mbappe and, you know, Real Madrid have very, um, you know, historically been interested in him. Um, I think United, now that they're on reportedly on the cusp of um, being under new management, I think have shown interest in him. But I wanted to get your thoughts on whether, you know, if you were in charge at Arsenal and you had this kind of decision-making authority, would you take Killian Mbappe? You know, salary, um, you know, potential off-pitch troubles and all that included.
2: Um, oh, Flippery heck. That is, is a, he's, he's an incredible player one of the best if not the best currently in in world football um and he's still so young and just you know you can draw the comparisons to Thierry Henry of course because of you know the style of football he plays how athletic he is it's he's just a, a sensational player um, I think that World Cup final was one of the greatest games I've ever seen in my life. And the way he carried that French side through the World Cup was, was honestly nothing short of remarkable. So I think he's an incredible player. I don't see a world where Arsenal can cough up the money for him. Uh, um, I would be incredibly excited if it, if it was someone that Arsenal signed and you know the amount of hype that would be around that would be incredible. But I think what I've learned from last season and the last few years is that hype isn't always a good thing I mean you look at Mudrick for example I know it's still early doors but had a lot of hype and he's not really hit the ground running when he's come in and um, I mean you could look at a lot of Chelsea players to be fair and you could say that kind of thing um, but <laughs> I, I, I think I, I just can't see a world ever where it would happen but it would be incredible if it did.
0: Yeah, yeah. It would. Um, well, before before I give my opinion, uh, Matt, uh, you know, what are what are your thoughts?
3: It's a fun one to discuss. It's an interesting one. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it's the complete carbon copy opposite of a transfer Arsenal would ever do. But then I guess Rice is an opposite transfer to what Arsenal would do. So who knows? But no, I think it's a. I think it's a very far fetched. Who who uh you know, be quite. A, insane transfer i mean the name itself the money obviously would cost a lot as you say wage would be crazy the the thing is i i feel like we've created such a good dynamic and such a good culture at the club that i don't even i feel like i'd just be embedding that but then when you look at him every single summer it's like being linked with moves away and moves away so that would be a disturbance in itself but i mean no doubting the quality of the player like he's a sensational sensational player but I think it is just one which is a fun hypothetical to think about. And if it was to happen then I think people would go absolutely just insane for. But uh not one which would happen and would kind of go against a lot of the club I guess in that sense. But uh, at the same time, as I say, I think we've created such a good culture and such a respectful culture that I just don't see, you know, one individual or anything like that really affecting that in, in such a way. But of course, a name like that carries huge baggage. And uh, I'd be intrigued to see if uh, if Mikel, you know, how that would work with, with a huge mentality like uh, Killian. But of course, it is just a fun fan fantasy.
0: Yeah, the, 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 reason, the reason why I bring it up is because I, you know, I remember, um, well, I say I remember like it happened years ago. But like, you know, a couple of days ago when that news broke, there were a bunch of Arsenal fans kind of, you know, talking about like getting him in a... In a somewhat serious manner, and I think this is all brought on by uh, Team News and Tix changing his profile picture to a teenage mutant ninja Ninja turtle. Although, to be quite honest, I don't know what connection that has to (laughs) Mbappe. Um, Someone's gonna have to explain that to me. But there were, you know, there were people kind of like saying on the timeline, like, "Yeah, we have to go get him." You know, like if he's available, we have to we have to throw a bid in. And you know, I I. You know, I'm I'm with you guys in in that this is just not the kind of signing we'd ever do. You know, it's I've always found it really hard to imagine the us going and getting the best player in the world. You know, if we ever have the best player in the world, I think it's going to be a player who, you know, we produced ourselves, someone who maybe came in through the um, from the academy or you know someone that we signed. But I suck it. That is actually who I have <coughs> in mind when I, said, <laughs> <late>. <laughs> <laughs> I had
3: to throw in two of, two of the incredible, incredible boys.
0: I still think Smith Rowe has a shout, but, um, but yeah, like that, you know, like I, I think, I think we're more likely to get something like those two, you know, becoming the, the best player in the world rather than going and signing someone who already is the best player in the world. Because I think we've always been very much a team mentality club. We've never been a club that, um you know wanted to go out there and buy superstars right and we've we did that a couple of times it hasn't worked out really well for us so you know i i look at mbappe i i look at you know the, the absolutely astronomical salary that psg paid him and you know these additional perks that they afforded him as well in order to keep him at the club and you know there's kind of this weird back and forth where there's you know issues behind the scenes and and all that stuff it just you know i i think i think all that would make it not worth it in my opinion you can only one player can only produce so much of an effect you know for you on the pitch um and i think they can be infinitely more hurtful for you off the pitch so you know i think signing the best player in the world for you know additional 10 to 15 goals a year for all the trouble that would give us um yeah, I'm just I'm just not sure how how that how that really um works for us. But yeah. That was a that was like a fun um fun thing to bring up. But um I guess I wanna end this pod. Sorry that there isn't like uh you know, it's it's been somewhat of a slow week outside the last two days, but sure
2: nice, yes. all good, all good.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um But I, I think I think I wanna end things with um Kind of a discussion. Have you guys seen the schedule for, for this coming season? Yes, sir. That's a yeah, great point. I,
3: There's been so much transfer stuff that Fixtures got released this morning, and that's not even yeah. really
0: spoken about. It's crazy. No one, Yeah, no one's talked about it. And honestly, I'm I'm looking at it, and I don't hate it. You know, I, I think for neither. the last few seasons, we we always... Sorry, what was that, Dan?
2: Sorry, I didn't say anything. Matt. I, I oh. don't have much... Said... Oh,
0: Matt.
3: Yeah, sorry. Oh, uh, I just said
0: neither, yeah. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, right. so the yeah 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 the the last few seasons, um, I feel like we've gotten schedules in which we've had these runs where we had to play like four of the top six clubs in a row, and that's always that's kind of turned into the first thing I look for when I look through the schedule now, and um, I don't really see anything like that. But is there any part of the schedule that you know, outside of the fact that we're we're playing um in a more difficult matchup or anything like that, is there any like run in the schedule that you're particularly concerned about at this point in time? I know this is, you know, way ahead of any actual concrete concrete information we could have about what, you know, the other teams in the league are gonna look like, but as of now. Um, anything anything jumping out to you?
2: I mean, I think September looks a pretty September and October kind of, you know, there's some big games in there. Manchester United at home, Tottenham home, and then into October you got Manchester City at home and Chelsea away. Uh, some big games across those months, and then I think as well like ending the season with the final two, two away games being Spurs away and Manchester United away. I think they're they're quite you know big, tough, deciding games to 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 end the campaign on. So um, I don't think there's really a run in which is really tough um i think it's quite a nice spread in some ways you know like there's no massive pile up of really tough games december there's so many games in in december but i mean you know they're they're always with is around the christmas period but um yeah i think i think it's quite a nice spread
3: yeah
0: matt what do you think
3: i'm definitely in agreement i think one really interesting factor uh, and it's not abnormal or anything I think it would just be really interesting to see how we respond or how we do the two first games of our Champions League uh, the f- two first Premier League games we have after the Champions League is, is I think Tottenham at home and Manchester City at home and I think that's a very interesting indication it's a big new factor obviously we had Europa but I think it's a whole new ball game having Champions League then that kind of team and that's something which of course we'll have to deal with I think it's just worth bringing up and of course, having Spurs and United last two games is a, a very interesting... Well, away games is a very interesting one. But uh, I must say, I'm very happy. Anfield is in, uh, I think, November or December. Newcastle is in, I think, November or December. Man City away, I would have far rather it was earlier and the home was later, but happens every year. Um, uh, Chelsea, whatever. Liver, any other... like Yeah, Brighton away, which is in March. But aside from Brighton, United, Spurs... And I guess cities at the end of March. I think we have a very favourable, nice run, and as you say, no real death trap time. Which I'm sure there will be times in the season where we were, wow, we have this Champions League game, or we have injuries to deal with, and then we have this coming up. But that's such, that's how it is. That's for any team. But I think it's a very favourable run up, uh, running. Sorry, and uh, it'll be very interesting to see how how it all uh, plays out. Really, the main yeah.
2: fixture challenge is the Champions League stuff. Like Matt said, you know, managing those big champions league games because you you need to bring the quality in you know the the players that can can rotate and it doesn't affect the side so much and for these games in in particular like last year you could bring in some you know some out of favor players so to speak um into the the starting 11 and yeah the quality of the side changed and you could see that but um the challenge this campaign will be managing the squad and well the challenge before all of that is building the squad and making it Mm -hmm. fit for purpose to to challenge for the premier league and go deep into the champions league and all the other cup competitions so I mean yeah that's that's the main challenge for for Arteta and uh, his staff ahead of the head of the campaign
0: yeah and um that's the thing I you know I was looking at the schedule and thinking about not necessarily how easy it was, but how nice and spread out things were for us. And then I remembered that you know, in September and October, we're we're going to be playing these, playing these group stage games, and then you know we're going to be playing United and Spurs and City and Chelsea, so that might make things a little tricky. but I think I think what really jumps out to me here is um March. I think March might be a tricky month for us because we're going to United away and then we have to host Brentford um, and then we have to host Chelsea and then we have to go to City. So, you know, I think before we start that run-in, I, I, I think that might be um, kind of a tricky few weeks there for us to navigate. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, all in all, I mean, you know, before we before we put a bow on this and call it, how how are you guys feeling? You know, with uh, with the season having just ended and heading into the summer, you know, um, I guess on a scale of one out of ten, where where would you rank your optimism for next season? Matt, I'll um, I'll hand that off to you first.
3: It's a good question. It's a very good question. Obviously, I can't undermine what we did last season. Of course, it's gutting. There it ended how it did, but the form and the way we were playing for so long is just an incredible signs of a truly incredible football team and. Of course, the Champions League side of things will be very interesting, but that's where you know, you've know you got to bolster your squad. That's where you've got to add depth. That's where you've got to have reliable players, durable players. So that'll be huge, and that'll be interesting to see how we do cope. But uh, I'd give it a, a solid... I'll go for an eight, I think. Champions League is an interesting one. No one can really predict it. I can't go in with crazy optimism because we've not been in for many years, and it's hard to say. Cup competitions, of course, you know we've not been too amazing at, but of course we drew City and Brighton at home wasn't... Very good for us, of course, but it happens, and uh, hopefully we can go very far with those competitions. And I don't see why we shouldn't be able to. And uh, I'm very excited to see what the team looks like, and uh, I can't wait to see what uh, Arsenal look like soon enough. And uh, those preseason games for you, Sham, it won't be too late. But for for us, UK fellas, at three a.m. That Chelsea game was a uh, good fun. So I look forward to seeing that again, and uh, I'm very excited for the season. But it's it's, it's a decent while away.
0: You guys would not believe what I'm going to have to pay to see Arsenal play the MLS All Stars.
2: Is it oh expensive? Is it, where, is it? at the? Which it's one's the All Star game
0: at? I know that. Sorry. So, the All Star game is actually in DC. I'm like a 25 minute walk from the stadium. Aren't they playing um,
2: Barcelona at the SoFi as well? Or something? Yeah, like that?
0: yeah, yeah. Out in LA, um, and I think they're also playing United in New York. So Cruzy. you know they'll 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 be all over the states, but. In in DC, they're playing at Audi Field, which is where DC United plays. And mm. Audi Field has a little over twenty thousand seats, so yeah, it's suddenly very exclusive. And you know, I think tickets right now are going for like three hundred fifty dollars, um, just for just for a typical seat. So we'll see if I do that. I'm probably going to do it, but um, I might I might be eating ramen for a week after that. We'll see. <laughs>
2: Pot noodles, uh, Bosch. Nice one, Matt. He will exactly. be at the, the Emirates Cup, won't we? That'll be all right. Not that. Not that. Absolutely, expensive.
3: that should. Uh, I. I didn't go last summer, but uh, I think this summer will be a uh, be one to go for.
0: Yeah, it should be good. Yeah, Dan, how are, um, what's what's your optimism level heading into you know this? I guess the transfer window and then the coming season. I'm
2: not. I mean, I've spoken about it quite a lot in the last few, like the last weekish, because I've been. I've been working quite a lot on looking ahead to the the summer with the window opening and stuff. And it's been, I'm, I'm I'm almost for the next week in holiday mode, (laughs) just to, you know, just (laughs) to kick back and just relax and enjoy some time, not thinking about football. But I, I think Declan Rice, that transfer saga is just, it's got me, you know, hooked. And I'm, I'm almost, you know, really emotionally invested in that. Um, I am. So I think I'm, it all depends to you know say how optimistic are you for for next season bearing on on who gets in. So I'd, I'm going to say at the moment I'd I'd say a solid seven uh, that can rise to an eight depending on who Arsenal sign and um, yeah I th- I think I am optimistic and but I'm trying not to get too dragged into the transfer sagas and you know if there's a negative update I'm not I'm not being too you know invested in it because it's a long summer and it's been a long season and I think sometimes you've just got to learn to, to switch off from it all for a bit so um, yeah I am optimistic for the new season and looking forward to it but um, some, some time off first I think will be good so yeah
3: <laughs> I think I'm going to need some switch off lessons from Dan at this rate
2: <laughs> Oh mate, it's not hard when you're sitting by a pool somewhere with a cocktail in your hand I promise you <laughs>
3: <laughs> that that is very true, yeah. <laughs> and if uh, uh, the writer gets done, that's the That's the main one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I'm
2: looking forward to it. It's going to be a good season. I'm sh- I'm sure of that, and um, I'm hoping Arsenal can can go one further than they did this season.
0: Yeah, yeah. I um, speaking of turning off, I'm I'm looking forward to um. I, actually, I will. I'm I'm heading to Europe tomorrow for for about a week, so I will be. Nice. Um, oh, lovely. Yeah. Just getting Draw off Twitter belts. for a week and uh, uh, Italy. Ooh, oh Italy yeah. Nice. fantastic. Yeah, I'll, I'll be, be on guy. the Amalfi coast, so I'll just be Oh I'd yeah. love that. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Hanging out, cocktail in hand and uh, not looking <laughs> at transfer news for a week. It'll be nice. Might log out of um, Twitter
2: for, yeah, might log out of Twitter for a week, just you know, log back in and see Declan Rice in Florence the Arsenal. Yeah. yeah, see <laughs> Declan I,
0: Rice in the Arsenal shirt. What a sight that'll be. <laughs> I don't think of myself as like someone who needs to get off Twitter from time to time but man these last couple of days have really been trying in terms uh, yeah. of that. I, I think <laughs> we're I think only two days well, in I think yeah. as well t- today,
2: Thursday on the, the day of recording when the, the first bid got rejected there was a huge meltdown on the timeline and I just took it upon myself to just not, you know, just leave Twitter for about five hours, come back and then, Matt you, even you were even you were having a meltdown on your page mate um, <laughs> but it, I just took it upon really, myself for to, rice, to
3: be honest <laughs> Yeah, but I, like, just, I was tweeting all sorts because I just threw I just, that one. I said, but "Yeah,
2: like, but the bid the bid got I... rejected, and then I just took it upon myself, just you know, just leave Twitter for a bit, go back to work, just focus on that, and then I, you know, look back at my phone this evening. Arsenal getting ready for a second bid worth hundred million pounds for Rice. So, you know, it's it's a funny world. Transfers. I I don't think everyone fully understands everything. Um, so yeah, I think we just wait and see, and fingers crossed. Uh, Declan Rice will be in the red and white at some point in the next few weeks do
0: you, you know i i did a whole thread about this earlier in the week talking about you know misconceptions about you know our recruitment the transfer window and you know because because i i kind of do this for a living you know with the on the negotiation side the the first bid is never supposed to be an amount that they're going to accept if you in in almost any situation if your first offer gets accepted then you've offered too much so i've i've always kind of um really hated when people get upset over the that that first bid being rejected because that's just us trying to anchor you know the final fee in a direction that we'd prefer it doesn't it doesn't mean that we're lowballing them it doesn't mean that like we think we're going to be able to get rice for you know 70 million in a packet of crisps but <laughs> i'll be uh, a good deal to be fair yeah um, it, you know i i would take that all day but something tells me west ham wouldn't but you know it's just <laughs> um it's, seeing seeing people get so worked up over what's really a routine part of the negotiation process has always uh grinded my gears a little bit but yeah
3: yeah i think it's often about who you see as well around like for me with rice today i thought it was the most obvious driving the price up i'd ever seen so although i was still looking for updates and stuff i wasn't really fixated on it because i just knew that it was just such obvious that you know when they start i think what is irritating though is when i see buzzwords you know like that they're embarrassed or they're like angry or whatever i just think that's like a bit it's unnecessary it's all used to try drag the price, etc., etc. But. It's a bit irritating to see, and people do lap it up a bit too much, I feel like. But, hey, it's uh, it's transfer season, and uh, it's, it's a bit crazy, really. Two days in.
0: West Ham, in all caps, infuriated by Arsenal's, in all caps, <laughs> pathetic <laughs> transfer <laughs> offer. Yeah, yeah, I can always see it. Well, second,
2: second club Arsenal have managed to annoy, what, after Brighton? You know, can't do business with them anymore, apparently. Yeah, ne- never people. again,
3: next ten years. <laughs> Yeah, I thought uh, I thought I'd just say as well that uh, it's it's been reported more or less that it is in the uh, the second bid, so uh, we'll play the waiting game and yeah,
0: yeah, and you know I I think Arsenal have a pattern of this where they'll send in the first bid, gets rejected pretty quickly, send in the second bid, and it's either that one or the third bid that typically you know gets the deal done. So you know I'm I'm not worried at this point. I think um, I think it's I think we'll see Declan Rice in an Arsenal shirt before the end of the month um yeah but in terms of my optimism i i think i'll uh go out on a limb here and put myself at an 8.5 out of 10 Ooh. heading into next Ooh. season 8.5. and uh, yeah i i i think we'll be back in it in terms of competing for the title um you know obviously i think united are a team to keep an eye on chelsea's gonna get better i think liverpool will be back as well newcastle will be improved but you know, I I just think that what we saw this season from Arsenal is real, and I think we're going to improve on that. And I'm I'm at a point now where I'm really just willing to you know kind of put my feet up and and let Arsenal do their thing in the transfer market. And um, you know any freak out I have is going to come at the end if they haven't done you know the business by by the end of the transfer window. So. Hmm. Yeah, I I trust these these guys at this point. You know, Kroenke's, uh, Arteta, Edu, Tim Lewis, Richard Garlick, all those guys know what they're doing. I think they've shown that. So I'm not particularly no, worried they've about all that. And then go
3: after after what's, what's happened, you know. Sorry, say that again. After they've all got to go after uh, you know today and stuff. That's have no, no, yeah. you believe?
2: I can't believe they're still in a job.
0: We lost Honestly, out to unbelievable. We <laughs> lost out to Chelsea for Caicedo. They have to go.
2: They didn't accept the first bid yet. Nope, they're gone. <laughs> See you
0: later.
3: Thank, thanks for playing, you know, but it's it's, it's time to go. Yeah. No We're,
0: sure. we're going to fund Chelsea's acquisition of Caicedo by buying Havertz. Pathetic. <laughs> there are I people mean. saying that on the timeline yeah. right now. Yeah. But um yeah i you know i i just i i think what we saw is real i'm really really enthused about the the way the the style of football that we're playing and how effective we are going forward obviously you know i don't think i can ever be a 10 out of 10 because of you know the fact that football is a very odd game and things happen that you never thought would happen so you know i i'm sure we're in for a few surprises here and there but i think all in all I think we're gonna compete for something next season. We'll see how the Champions League group stage shapes out before um before I, you know, draw my conclusions on that. But I just you know, this is the best I've felt about Arsenal in a very, very long time. And I I'm insistent on enjoying the ride until the problems are too big to ignore. I'll put it like that. So um yeah, I think I think that's why I'm at an eight point five out of ten. But we'll see. There we go yeah but um i think this is a good point to call it for for the pod um matt dan thank you guys so much for joining me today and uh you know talking about arsenal and uh kind of dissecting some of these weird transfer rumors and situations that we've come across in the last couple days um yeah i really appreciate you guys taking out the time anytime my friend anytime
3: it's been it's been a roller coaster these last few days but no it's always a pleasure to uh to come on thank you very much for having us
0: for sure for sure um and so you guys can follow matt and dan at we'll do dan first at dan george 47 on twitter and matt at matt j afc on twitter uh you can also follow afc newsday which is where they're going to be doing their pod that i'm really looking forward to at afc newsday podcast coming soon um, i'm sure you guys will put the the debut release date for that um you know up on up in the timeline soon enough. Hopefully
2: yeah hopefully after the um the twenty eighth, twenty ninth around around that kind of um around that kind of mark and then we'll be doing weekly um weekly episodes and yeah I'm sure we'll get you on at some point Sham to, to discuss you know more of the same kind of stuff but hopefully you know adding to a, a Who squad will be of... the
3: new one in in four weeks time.
2: What
0: well, I, I would love to.
3: Who will be who will be the uh the new transfer who uh, we're going to be discussing in four weeks' time? I'd I'd be intrigued to see what links the media has to throw, and what yeah.
0: have to as well. Yeah, yeah, I think we're I think we're going to coax Ariane robin out of retirement. There's no other uh-huh. profile like Saka's. Ooh, <laughs> tell you what,
3: I'll tell you what. I think Charlie Austin is a number two. That's
2: Arsenal Arsenal offer thirty five million for Jordan Henderson. There we go. That's going to be the one. <laughs>
3: Personal time not seem to
0: be an issue. Did I legitimately think the head loss from that would be biblical? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I think
2: Tyler would lose his head. I think he would. Yeah, that would be quite funny to see.
0: I I I would put the entire group chat on mute for about four days. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah I would too.
3: I would too. <laughs> oh, I yeah, think my yeah,
0: favorite part would be to see like the
3: Dream Elevens with like henderson in or just players like that just really random players who people
0: don't rate just get chucked in it would be funny (laughs) i might do that for a laugh tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) just throw in jordan henderson instead of martin odegaard (laughs) see what happens yeah (laughs) oh man oh Oh, that's gonna that that would be okay i'm gonna do that um all right well look forward to that and then uh you can follow me on twitter at shamsdale you can follow the pod uh at this week arsenal uh, be sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Give us, you know, five stars. The reviews. Share with your friends. The works. Uh, don't follow Sash at LT Arsenal. He's got uh, too many already. He's got too many. Yeah, he's saving some for us. Come on. He yeah,
2: didn't even have time to come and join us on the pod, eh? <laughs> yeah,
0: couldn't even come on this week. He was, you know, oh, he was he was doing big career stuff. Uh, no, it's it it's fine, what but sad um. No, respect but, to him. Yeah. I, I <laughs> still have exposure to Sash, so right. joking, I look forward to hopefully speaking to him at some guy. point. Oh yeah, no, yeah, Sash, Sash is a to die. I mean, I'm on um, and that was
3: when we lost three 0 to Spurs. So yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> that was not the time to uh, <laughs> to meet. Have him, have him on, and talk about Vlahovic. He'll love that. Um, I will not be there that week. <laughs> 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 Oh man, uh, Sash, we love you. Um, yeah, and uh, actually, so speaking of speaking of which, I listeners will be out, uh, as you might have figured out from about ten minutes ago. I will be unavailable for the next episode. Sash, however, will be back with another illustrious guest. Um, so yeah, until then, once again, Matt, Dan, thank you so much for coming on. And um, until then, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Hopefully, after we get that Declan Rice transfer acquisition over the line um so until then take care and we'll talk to you soon bye bye